Well, good morning, church. Uh, my name is Samuel, for those of you who may not uh, know me. Uh, and for those of you joining us uh, this week, we are looking at the new series we started two weeks ago, uh, or three, uh, on, on the topic of silence, solitude, and Sabbath. And I'll be speaking this morning on, on the topic of entering God's rest. And it is my prayer this morning that the Holy Spirit will bring the revelation of His Word into our hearts and, and help us to see life and eternity and rest and silence from God's perspective. Now, God's perspective of life is the ultimate liberating truth that we all need to find rest in our lives. And God sees everything, church. His vision is not shrouded by forgetting what is past or by not knowing what is to come in the future. He reigns in eternity, and the past, the present, and the future of all things, including our lives, they are constantly before His eyes. They are constantly before Him. And there's nothing that brings comfort and rest to our lives as knowing and getting God's perspective on our life. What does God think about our life? What does God think about the challenge that you are going through? Does He even know what you are passing through? How can I find rest in the midst of troubling circumstances, going through pain or the loss of a loved one uh, or, or any of the challenges uh, that life throws at us? My focus this morning is to help us to see how the knowledge that God knows our situation and has provided a way through them will help us in actually making it to our ultimate and final destination in spite of the challenges. The leading text that I want to highlight this morning is found in Hebrews chapter 4 from verse 1 to 11. The way that this text is written makes it a little bit difficult to understand and it, it appears complicated to follow uh, but I encourage you all to take some time after the message today to dig deeper into the text of chapter 4 of the Hebrews uh, later and, and, and get the depth of what is being said in, in that particular chapter. So I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Here it goes. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in, the, in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place they, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience, again he designates a certain day 
saying in David, Today, after such a long time as it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from all from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Now, if you carefully follow the text here, church, there are three basic messages that the writer is trying to get across to us. The first message is that there is such a thing called God's rest. The second message that the writer is trying to get across is that there is an open invitation for people to enter this realm called God's rest. This invitation was extended to the people of the Old Testament through the preaching of the gospel, and it was also extended to us through the preaching of the same gospel. The third message that the writer is trying to get across is that let us prepare ourselves to enter and dwell in this rest. Many of those in the Old Testament to whom the gospel was preached did not enter that rest because the word that was preached unto them was not mixed with faith and therefore when challenges came, they were not able to stand firm on the word and trust in God. Now it is these three key messages that I would like to highlight this morning. First, let's talk about God's rest, because this is the key uh, message that I would like to impress upon our hearts this morning. And here lies the most powerful revelation uh, in this chapter. Now let's pay attention to verses 3 to 4. It reads, For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundations of the world, for he hath spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Now, I, I know this text appears complicated. The best way to understand this text is to read it backwards. That is, start from verse 4 and work your way backwards to verse 3. And here is my version when you do that. If you start reading it from verse 4 and work your way towards verse 3, verse three, here is how it will appear. For he hath spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested from and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, he has said, So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. For we who have believed do enter that rest. Now we have the perfect order to understand what the Lord is trying to say to say and tell us here. The fundamental truth here is that God has rested from all his works on the seventh day. 
And this reference is taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 2, from verse 1 to 3. There the Bible declares, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Pay attention to the words used here. Finished, ended, done, rested, blessed, sanctified, created, and made. All these words signify that God rested having done, finished, completed, all things that he set out to do. Another key word used both here in Genesis and in the text that we read from Hebrews is the word all. When God rested, he rested from all his work. There was nothing left that remained to be done. And this applies not only to things up until when God rested, but for all things throughout eternity. Our God has entered rest on the seventh day, having finished, having done, having completed everything that is to be done throughout eternity. And when God rested from all his work, he saw through eternity and finished all the work that was required for our redemption. Back on the seventh day, when God rested, he had seen all generations that were to come, and that includes you and me. And here are some verses to help us aid our understanding, to help aid our understanding in this regard. In, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, God told the, the prophet Jeremiah, declaring, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. Here is God speaking to the prophet Jeremiah and telling him that he knew him before even he was born, before even he was formed in his mother's womb. And in, in Isaiah chapter 46, from verse 9 to 10, again the Bible declares, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. So church, what I'm trying to say here is this. Since the seventh day when God rested, our God remains rested till to this day and forevermore having done all things that he was supposed to do. Nothing has and nothing will ever happen that, our, that will surprise our God. Nothing has and nothing will ever happen that our God has not seen or provided for, provided a solution for. Nothing has and nothing will ever happen that will take our God by surprise. Now, how many of you think that God was surprised when 
Thomas Alva Edison invented the light bulb and said, let there be light. Do you think that came as a surprise to our God? I don't think so. Now, I imagine the Lord smiling and, and being happy to see humanity hit that great milestone that was long time coming, but I don't think the Lord was surprised. Do you think that God was surprised when Europe descended into chaos during the two world wars? I don't think he was. I imagine the spirit of the Lord being grieved beyond measure, seeing us descend into evil. But I don't think that took him by surprise. Because our God has rested and all his works were finished from the foundations of the earth. He has seen through eternity and he has provided solutions to every chaos. He has declared order for all chaos. And when all is said and done, God is going to emerge victorious. Now I know I am encroaching into a deeper theological and, and philosophical issue here. And, and that is not my purpose or, or expertise. But my purpose here is to show us that there is a bigger picture that may not be visible from our end, but is fully visible from the end of our God who has set things in order. To bring all this into the proper perspective, let us look at Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10, which tells us what the ultimate purpose of God's work is. The scripture declares that the ultimate purpose is that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together one in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. And this is the ultimate goal, church, that when all is said and done, that he may gather all things together in Christ, that when all is said and done, that he may gather to himself the biggest family that ever was. And I believe when we stand on the other side, all of our life's journey will make sense. It may not make sense at the time, it may not make sense at the moment, but when we step into the eternal realm of God, into the spiritual realm of God, everything will make sense. Okay then, how is this relevant to us now? How does this knowledge help us navigate through life and, and the challenges and, and the many obstacles that we may be facing? How do we use this knowledge that God has rested having finished all his works to our advantage? In this regard, the writer of the Hebrews book gives us the example of the many children of Israel who failed to enter God's rest. The journey of the children of Israel from slavery to the promised land is an image of the life's journey, our life's journey as well. It was not an easy journey because there were challenges along the way, along every chapter of their journey. There was Pharaoh's chariots chasing them from behind and there were seas that need to be parted and that needed to be crossed. There were thirsts and hungers along the way, as well as sickness. But greater than all these challenges, there was the one 
who made the promise to get them and lead them into rest and who was able to lead them through all the situation. Through his marvelous acts and wonders, God brought them out of slavery in Egypt. He led them through the wilderness. He fed them when they were hungry and he gave them water to drink when they were thirsty. He parted the seas before their eyes. He revealed his glory to them. And when you see the pattern in the journey of the children of Israel, you see that there is often a challenge followed by a moment of contemplation, followed by a victory. See, this is the pattern of their journey. There is a challenge, then there is a moment of contemplation where God wants to see the people and how they would react under challenges, and then comes the victory later on. But there was one problem. The writer of the Hebrew book says that the Israelites had failed to mix the word that was preached unto them with faith, and therefore it did not profit them. What the writer is saying is this. The children, the children of Israel were so focused on the challenges of the day that they forget the bigger picture. The bigger picture that they are on a journey to a promised land and the bigger picture that the God who was leading them and granting them victories is able to do it again with respect to the new challenge that they were facing. But they were so focused on the challenges of the day, on the challenges of the moment, that they forget the bigger picture. But every time they faced a challenge, they resorted to complaining and murmuring, and that led to unbelief, and finally that led to God himself standing uh, before them and prohibiting them from entering his rest. The writer of the Hebrews later tells us, but we who believe will enter his rest. Believing in this context, church, is resting. I mentioned earlier that there was a pattern to the journey of the Israelites. There was a challenge, there was a moment of contemplation, and there was a victory. So to trust and to have faith in God in that moment of contemplation and rest in His presence, that was the key that was missing from the life of the children of Israel. Between every challenge and a victory is a moment of contemplation, a moment of decision as to how we are going to deal with the challenge. The advice of the writer of the Hebrews later, the advice that the writer of the Hebrews later is giving us is this. In that moment of decision, in that moment of contemplation, choose to trust in God because he has finished, he has done, he has completed everything, and he has entered into his rest. And this means that there will be no challenge that I will face in my life that God has not foreseen or provided a solution for. And if I could just be patient and rest before his presence, he will guide my soul in the midst of the troubled waters of life. Let me close with this scripture. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, the Bible declares, No temptation has overtaken you 
accept such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. So church, I want to leave this big picture with you uh, this morning. Imagine God resting in his throne. Since the seventh day, when God completed all his work, he has entered into his eternal rest. And he has seen through eternity. He has seen through the generations. He has seen, to, he has seen through our lives, our days, the number of years, our journey, everything that there is to see. And he has provided a way out of every situation, a way out of every challenge. And he is calling us to come and sit with him in his throne where he is resting. So when you live life from that place of rest, from that understanding that God has seen everything and he has provided a solution for every possible challenge that I may come across, that brings rest to your soul. And when you take that into your heart, when you confirm when, when you convince your soul that this is the truth, then that is when the ultimate rest of God comes into your life. And let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning for enlightenment. Help us to see the eternal rest with which you have rested. Help us to see that we worship a God who is unshaken or troubled by what comes and goes through changing seasons. Help us to see that you have rested from all your works and that our life and destiny is part of the work which you have completed. And help us to trust and have faith in moments of trials and temptations and challenges. Most importantly, Lord, help us today to rest together with you and laugh in the face of life's challenges. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.